Guys, we're in a series uh, called Reconciled. It's actually the last week of it uh, before we begin to head into another series called Dear Future Me, uh, which I'm really pumped about. But I'm not going to give that away here yet, but just get ready because that's going to be a fun series for us uh, as a church, especially with the school year starting. But we're in a series now called Reconciled. It's the last week of it. We've been talking about what it means to be reconciled to God, which literally just means that your friendship with God is restored, that you have right relationship with him. But scripture also talks about this other thing called reconciliation with each other. To be reconciled, to have right relationship with the people around you, to have friendships that are right and godly with the people around you. You guys with me this morning? How many of you, you don't even need to raise your hand, that's a, that's a silly question. How many of us, rhetorical, have experienced great strain in our friendships or in our relationships? Every single one of us has had difficulty, has had real pain. If there's anything I've learned from ministry, it's, it's to presume pain. And people have experienced a lot And a lot of it has actually been painful. And that creates oftentimes difficult moments. People have have pain with their relationship with mom and their relationship with dad and their relationship with brother and relationship with sister and coach and roommate and teammate and boss and pastor. Well, no, nobody has a problem with their pastor. You guys tracking? I'll give you an example. So I was on a mission trip. Uh, I was heading to India for about a month. And um, this was some time ago. This was before I was married. Amy and I had been dating for about nine months. And my roommate asked if he could borrow my car while I was in India. Now, if you know anything about... um, It's kind of rare these days for people to spend money on their cars, in terms of, of like the sound system. I don't see people doing that nearly as much as when I was in high school and when I was in college. Oh, it was the, it was the thing. I mean, you, you jacked up your car and got a sweet little rig going in there so you could crank that bass and just bounce down the road. You know what I'm talking about. Did anybody do that? Did anybody? Of course you did. I see some hands. So I had, I had a Dodge Stratus because I was rolling deep. Cherry red Dodge Stratus, 1998. Oh, man. You know it just looked nice, didn't it? No, it didn't. But my brother-in-law helped me. We rewired the system, so we took the factory speakers out. We put new speakers in, you know, that had a little bass. I got that. At the time, it was, it was a big deal, this LCD screen, you know, that, that, that actually had the words the name of the song would show up on it as if that was the most revolutionary technology. It was this bright orange LCD screen. And people thought I was like Iron Man, you know, just (laughs) the technology that was taking place in my car was incredible. And so my roommate asked, he said, can I borrow your car? I said, yeah, you can borrow my car. But here's what I'm asking. There's one place in Nashville I'm asking you not to drive it. Don't drive it over there because my sound system's not going to survive. 
if you do. So he took, take the, he took the car, and I'm in India for close to a month. And, you know, they have these little rooms where you pay and swipe your card, and you're able to call home. And I get on the phone with Amy, who was my girlfriend at the time, and, you know, we're talking about how much we miss each other and what we're going to do when I get back home and what dates we're going to, blah, 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 blah. And here's what's happening on the mission field. And before I get off the phone, she says, honey, I have some bad news for you. I said, what? What's going on? She said, well, your, your roommate, JT, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but he drove your car to the place that you asked him not to drive the car to and then left it there with the windows down, unlocked. Now, I'm on a mission trip. Thank God I was on a mission trip. Jesus was, was at least in the forefront of my mind. You know, and you're literally shoulder to shoulder in a room with all these people that are calling. So, you know, it's the old, it's like the handheld too, you know, the, the, the actual like bass phone that you're cranking. It was so old school. And I'm sitting there and I put the phone down for a second and I'm taking a deep breath. God, give me grace right now. And I got home. And I want you to know that my roommate, he didn't pay to have it fixed. He didn't pay to get me a new sound. He didn't do anything. He barely even apologized. Now you can sense the, the pain that still exists in my heart. How many of you know that there were probably some, some, some difficult conversations that were about to be had? There were some issues that were taking place in our friendship that were going to need to be addressed. There were some things that just happened, and it happens in every relationship, whether you're in high school, middle school, even elementary school, whether you're in college, whether you are an adult, whether you're a mom of three, whether you are married, single, young professional, every single one of us has relationships that experience great strain that experience difficulty, that are weighed down by moments of anger, even rage, where you just want to knock somebody senseless. Moms and dads even want to do that to their children at times. And children want to do that to their moms and dads at times. There's no relationship that escapes the need for reconciliation. There isn't one. So here's what we're going to do. I want you, to, I want, I'm going to bring this to, to life in the pages of Scripture because while I'm sharing an amusing story, how many of you also know that, that these are the kinds of things that lead to life and death situations? These are also the kinds of things that lead to those family battles and family wars that take place over tens and uh, decades, centuries even, of people groups that hate other people groups. And what they need more than anything else is reconciliation. We're here. You with me today? Turn to Acts 21. Scripture has a lot to tell us about relationships that experience this kind of friction. Acts 
And most people, they end up doing one thing. They start building walls in their life. And what I mean by that is your heart begin, begins to get calloused towards people. And it's like, a, it's like a wall begins to get erected and built in the life of a marriage or in the life of a church flat right here. If you're listening online this morning, my earpiece just crashed. So good times. Okay. I've got this. One hand on the handheld, other hand on the iPad. Welcome to church planning, folks. Walls. Here we go, Acts 21, 27 through 28. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. Paul is an, is an apostle in the New Testament. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. Little context for you. Paul is an apostle and he's preaching about Jesus. He's teaching about Jesus. And there is great tension already that exists between two people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles. And this crowd is mad that Paul had the audacity to bring a Gentile, meaning someone who's not a Jew, into the temple where the Jews are supposed to be worshiping. I'm going to unpack it a little more in a second. The whole city, get this, over what I just described, the whole city was aroused. And people came running from all directions. This is crazy town. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander couldn't get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. And when Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. Okay. Now this is intense. This is the arrest that Paul is about to experience. And as far as we know, he was in captivity until his death. By this arrest that's getting ready to take place. And what was it that happened that was so offensive, that was so terrible, was that Gentiles crossed over the boundary line of where they were supposed to be in the temple, and they were worshiping, in theory, in the area where the Jews were supposed to. Now, if you're familiar with, with what Paul writes, or he writes a letter and he's describing these events, and he does it in the book of Ephesians, and, and I forget where else he addresses it, but never mind, because we're, we're not sticking around there. We're going to keep moving here, so buckle up. When it came to the Gentiles, they were separate from Christ. 
strangers to God's promise of salvation. They didn't have any hope. They were cut off. They were without God in the world. And while the Jews were God's chosen people, they'd become proud and had developed an intense hatred for the Gentiles. They viewed them as uncircumcised dogs. So much so that when Jews walked through land that was Gentile-owned, they would get through it and then they would shake the dust off of their feet so that it wouldn't defile the area that God had given them. Imagine that. The division, the offense, the hatred, the pain, the reconciliation that needed to take place. And so what I want to describe to you is that we're talking about walls that happen in people's hearts. And this is what leads to irreconciliation, is that there's separation, there's callous, there's pride, there's the wall of fear, the wall of anxiety, the wall of anger, the wall of disappointment. We have all of these walls that get built. And what literally was taking place in the temple was a four-foot wall. It's a four-foot wall, about yay big-ish, however tall four feet is. It's a four-foot wall, a high wall. And Gentiles were to stay on one side and Jews were to stay on the other. And the separation was clear. And archaeologists have found bricks literally from this very wall that says this right here. A warning to all Gentiles who go beyond this barrier, he will have himself to blame for his death. And we're talking about relationships. The thing that I see more often, most common, are these points of great division. And so we don't have a temple today. We're obviously a church plant that meets inside of a school. You don't see four-foot high walls, you know, separating uh, people from another people group, and you get to worship over here, and you get to worship over here. But what we do have are walls that get built up. Some of them are a lot taller than, than four feet, Some of them might be a little bit smaller than four feet, but make no mistake about it, walls get built. We are used to having them in our life. Families experience walls. Friendships experience walls. Your your coworkers experience walls, and we learn to live isolated from the people around us to shut off the potential of experiencing pain the potential of conflict, the potential for you name it, let's just build a wall and shut this thing off. Everybody has walls. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to create an awkward moment for us. Microphone's already been going in and going out. It's nice. You've got bricks underneath your, your chair. 
every other chair. There's some extras right here up on the front. I want you to take it. You don't need to open it. It looks like wood. It's not. It's real light. There's nothing inside of it. I want you to do this. We are going to, right now, build a wall on this stage. So I want to show you something. So here's what I want you to do. I have a couple wall engineers that are going to help us to get this done. They're lightweight. This is easy to do. This should not be rocket science. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out of your chair, and I want you to come up here just one at a time, and we're going to put together a, a five Uh, a five-block wall right here in the front of the stage. And you're going to get an idea of what this wall might even have looked like that separated the Jews and the Gentiles. But just because that wall was for them doesn't mean that we do not have walls that we build that maybe aren't quite as visible. They're not actually tangible, but they're invisible. But right now, we're going to expose this thing for what it is. We're pulling back the curtain. And so I want you to get out of your seat Wes, you can come up here. David, you can come up here. I'm going to move my music stand. You can grab a couple of those blocks. And we're going to get this thing started right here in front. And everybody has a different name. I wanted to name your brick for you, but I couldn't do that for you. But everybody has challenges, has issues with the people around them. And you could name that brick, and you could name that wall, and it could be anger, it could be rage, it could be bitterness, it could be fear, it could be racism, it could be resentment. It could be my mom and dad hurt me, and this isn't going any further. I'm cutting this thing off and shutting them out. It can look a lot of different ways. And so you can name your own brick today. And if you need one, if you're sitting in a seat and don't have one, Well, they went ahead and stole them from you and already started this wall. So sorry if you don't have a brick. No worries. Find an empty one from a seat and come on up here and let's start building this thing. Come on. You guys can go ahead and give yourself a hand. That was incredible. Now, this is a little bit taller than four feet. It's like seven feet. <laughs> Why do you guys got to hate? I mean, that's not even, it's not even right. So just track with me for a second, guys. We're talking about the God that we come and worship any Sunday, every Sunday, however you wish and however you desire, right? And here's a wall that's being built that's more or less this height, give or take a little bit, that divides people based on whether or not they are a Jew or are not. And the difference is we're talking of several feet. You can worship in here. But if you take a step over here, you're worthy of death. That's a pretty strongly built wall. And it's one that had been around for centuries. And the Jews and Gentiles, they didn't have this great record of 
getting along well together, which is why Jesus takes so much time talking about what the Father heart of God and the love of God really looks like. And it transcends not even Jew, more than Jew and Gentile, more than mom and dad, more than brother and sister, more than black and white. God's love is bigger than the barriers that we create for ourselves, regardless of whether it's worship or whether it's just how you function in life or how you think. You guys tracking with me today? So here's what Paul, who is in prison because of this wall, this is why he's in jail. They're accusing him of having taken someone who is not Jewish past the wall. He is in prison and will eventually die. And he writes this in Ephesians chapter 2. Speaking of Jesus, he says, He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, And has destroyed the barrier. The dividing wall of hostility. The message translation says that Jesus tore down the wall we use to keep each other at a distance. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile, there's our key word, both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. If God can bring peace to you, If God can bring peace to your relationship with him, he can bring peace to your relationship with others. If he can bring, if he can tear down the wall that exists between the Jews and Gentiles, the centuries old hatred that existed between them, what wall can he not tear down? What wall in your relationship with a parent or with a brother or a sister or a coworker can he not break through. Think about it for a second. I don't want to make light of the pain that people experience. I know there are, there are things that happen in your life and we create these walls to protect ourselves. But what often happens is when the Holy Spirit begins to move, we still keep that wall intact. And we basically just try to exist, right? like this we have this wall intact and we think that somehow by functioning this way you can have real relationship I'm going to worship God like this I'm going to raise my hands oh I'm going to give God my best I'm going to know him. I'm going to love him. Oh, my relationship with that person that hurt me so bad, that has offended me and hurt me and broke me and everything else, that wall is intact for a reason, but there might come a moment where you need to pursue God's grace again in that relationship and not be content to leave this wall up in your life. 
Because if there's anything the world needs to see, it's two people who were enemies who have become friends again, who have been reconciled, where peace, where it looks impossible, has been made possible again. This is no way to have a real relationship with someone. It's not possible. And so that's why God can say with great authority in Scripture that he tore down the wall. And yes, I realize that that is a reference specifically to Jews and Gentiles, but it is a reference to every relationship that looks hopeless, that looks impossible, and looks irredeemable is that God can break down any wall. And this is what he says. One last scripture here. First Peter chapter three. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Let's say that again. Be compassionate and be humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good day must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. What are you supposed to seek? Peace. What are you supposed to pursue? Peace. realize that some of these walls in your life and in my life are made out of different stuff. If you remember the three little pig story and some of those homes were made out of, out of straw. Some of them are made out of sticks. Some of them are made out of bricks. And so some of these walls are stronger than others and the reason they're strong oftentimes has to do with the, with the degree of pain that someone has experienced. And what Jesus still calls us to is to believe in the miraculous power of he who calls us to live in peace with one another. Blessed, Jesus says, are the peacemakers. What does Peter say? He says, seek peace and pursue it. Paul reminds us that all of these walls, while they may look really strong, Jesus has torn them down. This wall is paper thin. It looks really well built. But if you will just trust him and seek him and pursue him, and continue pursuing peace. And yes, I'm doing it one at a time. And the reason is simple because oftentimes you got to get up day after day and you have to continue to pursue peace. It doesn't just always come at once. 
You're going to pray and you're going to ask for forgiveness and you're going to forgive and you're going to get up and you're going to need to do it all over again. You're going to get up and you're going to need to pray and you're going to ask for forgiveness and you're going to seek forgiveness and you're going to pursue peace and you're going to get up again. And what are you going to do? You're going to pursue peace. You're going to seek peace. You're going to pursue it until that wall is down and you experience peace. Day after day after day. And sometimes it comes faster. And sometimes it's the kind of thing that hurts you so bad that you have to labor and pursue, sometimes even for years. But I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt this morning that when it comes to Jesus Christ and the God that we serve, there is no wall that is too strong for Jesus. There's no relationship that is so torn that he cannot repair it. There is no break that is so broken that he can't put it back together again. That's the God that we serve. Seek peace and pursue it. Jesus Christ has torn down every single wall. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to hang on to that brick of anger. You don't have to hang on to that brick of fear. You can let it go. Amen.